I started a nationally trending uh, hashtag this week, so you know I got that going for me. Uh, Wingian Gabriel, known uh, for showing uh, his insane athletic ability multiple times uh, on the court uh, and off. You know, it's always how is Buddy and not what is Buddy drinking. You think, oh my gosh, I caught a break. They're they're leaving the floor. Now you're a meme on Twitter because Reed Shepard just dumped on you. What is up, Big Blue Nation? Matt Sack, BBN here, joined by my three Twitter best friends. We got Big Blue Bud. We have 270 Bradley Smith. And we have Wildcat Tongue. And we are rup to no good. And Kentucky, back in the W column. Reed Shepard went crazy. Surely no other Kentucky sports teams lost since the last time we recorded. We're just here to talk about the amazing basketball performance and Reed Shepard literally lighting up Rupp Arena. But before we get into all of that, first, how are my three Twitter best friends doing? Buddy, you having a good time over there? I'm having a great time. I've relaxed all weekend, which is kind of rare for me on a weekend. Although part of it was that I got a little sick yesterday. But in the end, it was worth it. Like it was worth getting sick just so I could stay home and, uh, and watch some basketball, relax, watch some Harry Potter, finish Breaking Bad. I know I'm about 15 years too late on Breaking Bad, but just finished that show. Ate some Christmas tree cakes a few minutes ago. Um, and just a bunch of dubs, just a bunch of dubs. Watch two crazy basketball games. I watched Mizzou lose, and I watched Georgetown come back like 15 points, go into overtime in the craziest way possible, and then pull a win out there. So good day, good weekend so far. Good weekend. How about you? How are you? I'm a little annoyed at the at the moment. So before we got on here, um, early, earlier in the day, I'll start with this. I went to Target with my beautiful girlfriend, Christina, and our mentality when going into Target is we don't go there knowing what we need. Target will tell us what we need when we get there. So we decided today when we got the Target that we needed a bunch of stuff to decorate our apartment. I got three very specific things that I wanted. All three things broke when setting them up um one of them just snapped yeah one of them it kind of had like an elastic type thing like i'm not going to describe what i got because it's pointless but the elastic thing snapped like two seconds into setting it up wasn't even my fault another thing was a shelf that i had to build and i had two different shelves and one of them it, it it just i hung up the shelf and it's fine and then like it just could not support its weight it said it could hold 17 and a half pounds i put a few books on it which probably weighed five to ten pounds so nowhere near the max weight and it, it just it just completely broke. Um, so it just lied about how much weight it could hold. And then the other just the other uh, shelf just did not screw in correctly. Just it was just a bad product. So very very upset at the moment. But we're gonna talk some cats, and that'll get me feeling better. And maybe Bradley has a really cool story that will get me feeling better. Bradley, any anything enjoyable happening in your life? Uh, I had some leftover hibachi, so that hey, was nice. nice. We're rolling and, now. Uh, Let's go. And I'm trying to figure out whether to go to the game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I can get a ticket, an upper for nine bucks, a lower for twenty five, but it, it's like a four hour drive each way, so it's it's just kind of tough. And it is also all predicated on if my wife would let me do it. Um, so I know we've got a couple listeners that listen uh, like the night that it drops. Uh, so if you're one of those. Uh, just DM me on Twitter with what I should do. I definitely want to, but eight hours of driving is tough, especially when I'm going to turn around and do it next week for the Miami game. 
how many hours? Four each way. Oh, okay. I thought, oh yeah, eight hours. Ago. Yeah, yeah. I live in Murray, so it's like. No, I know, I know. The, I just, the I end you said of the eight state. hours each way. I, I no. Yeah, I was like, you're lying. Yeah, that would be a lie if I said it was eight each way, but <laughs> I didn't. You're not drinking any metal tonight. No, look what I'm drinking. Pure water. Good water? I had like two Christmas tree cakes, so I was like, I, if I drink in LA, I'll be burping. It'll be all sweet. Y'all know about that. Y'all know about it, the sweets plus LA. It can cause a problem. So. Buddy, I've known you for years, and this is the only time I've ever seen you drink water. Oh, that's crazy. I drink a ton of water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. WT. Uh, have I just like never seen you without a hat or is this like a new shampoo? Are you growing your hair out? Something, it, it just looks poofier up there. It looks really that good. That is a hat. That is a hat. Don't yeah, trust this, it. That, oh. This is actually like a wig that I wear. No, uh, I, I'm always a hat sort of guy, but uh, I'm a little dressed up today. Just got back from the uh, grandmother's birthday, friend of the friend of the program. So shout out to her. Uh, so shout out grandma. Grandma Tom. Yeah, shout out. Shout out all the grandmas out there. Grandma Tongue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, she she's not gonna like hearing that. She listens to these, I'm pretty sure. Awesome. Um <laughs> uh, but no, it was a fun little shindig. Got some cake and all the good stuff. So uh no, it was a fun day, a great day after compared to yesterday. Um, so that's all I'll say about that for now. Do you have a sweet and endearing nickname for your grandma, or is it just grandma? Uh, I do. It's it's Nana. Oh, well, see, growing out, up, here's, Nana. when I was a baby, so I'm the oldest on both sides. So I got to choose all the names for all my uh family members. Uh, she wanted to go by Grana, but you know, like that consonant cluster is really tough. So I I decided to get away uh from doing that. So Nana, it is. Grana. I've got a I've got a point about this WT, and it irks me. Okay. I'm the I'm it. the oldest grandchild on both sides too. I'm the only grandchild on one side. And then on the other side, I'm the oldest. My youngest cousin changed my grandparents' names. Mm. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do you can't just move lunch. You can't do that. What's I, up with that? I was the oldest grandchild on one side, uh, which also made me like the youngest, like nephew or the oldest i mean the oldest nephew and a few other things but i don't really think i got to like pick like i think somebody picked for me they were like i want to be you know mama and so you know i am so bradley was was the name change like justifiable like is it an objectively cooler name no what did it change it to grandma from what from grandma yeah it was mama which you know that's a normal grandmother name in the south he yeah. changed it to grandma That's but he kept but he kept papa he kept papa so instead now instead of mama and papa they're grandma and papa what is that that's messed up that's, that's nothing wrong. that's wrong i i want to kick another six-year-old no i'm just kidding not, and just that's in nothing. case my, just in case my <laughs> uncle listens i i don't want to kick your child i'm sorry well, well, shout out to WT's Nana and shout out Isaac. I, I don't know a specific listener that we called that we uh, have that's called Isaac. Maybe he's under like a, a burner account or something like that. But he called into the post game show, the, the KSR post game show, 
um, after the Stonehill win. And he said in front of one of the largest uh, like platforms for Kentucky sports that we are trying to start hashtag Rowdy Rupp. Um, I'll just play the clip here, and he, this is what he had to say on the matter. We'll just let that run. Yeah, and then um, the second thing is um, the Miami game. Um, we're trying to get a movement started on Twitter, hashtag Rowdy Rupp. We want to make uh, – Rupp Arena, the rowdiest environment we've had in a very long time. We're trying to pack it out, have everybody stand up, be loud throughout the whole game. So if you're going, we want you to stand up, cheer, and be as loud as you can. All right. Well, there you go. I appreciate the call. I... So, yeah, shout out, Isaac. Thank you for spreading the word. Um, if you do know someone going to the game, uh, please tell them about hashtag Rowdy Rupp. If you yourself are going to the game, Tell yourself about hashtag Rowdy Rupp. We want this to be an elite atmosphere. Miami's good. Uh, who, who did they just kill today? Kansas State by like 20 points. Jerome, State, Tang, is allegedly, Jerome Tang is allegedly a really good coach too. Allegedly. Yeah. Do you mind if I run through some stats of theirs? Because they're going to scare you a little bit. Please. Uh, if my internet will load. Uh, hold on. So uh, yeah, they are really, really good. Weirdest thing about them, they don't play again until the Kentucky game. They have over a week off. They played against Kansas State on Sunday, and now they're not going to play again until Tuesday, which is really crazy. Um, but for the season, they are currently eighth in the country in three-point percentage as a team at 44.7%, which is wild. They make 83% of their free throws, uh, six blocks a game. They score 88.5 points a game. Uh, they shoot 52% from the field. They've got a guy, uh, Wuga Poplar, shooting 59% from three on 6.8 attempts per game. Uh, Matthew Cleveland shooting 46%. Bensley Joseph shooting 63%. Uh, Christian Watson shooting 50%. They, they just have so many shooters. Uh, and Nigel Peck is not shooting well from three right now, but he's still a complete threat. Um, Norchad Omir the same way. Um, so we've got a really, really good team coming in uh, to Rep Arena, and BBN needs to show out. Like, I know it sounds crazy that some random podcast with a bunch of rich kids are gonna. <laughs> uh, that was a joke, inside joke, uh, inside joke, uh, not true. But uh, it is very funny that uh, some podcast is gonna try to make Rep Arena as rowdy as it's been in years. But I'm being serious. I think it's we're fully capable of. It. Peer pressure is a wonderful thing. Once we get in there and if we're rowdy, people are going to follow along. Yeah, Miami is a very, very good team. They made Elite Eight two years ago, Final Four this past year. Nigel Pack was one of their two best players. They add Matthew Cleveland, return no Chad Omir. If these names sound familiar, it's because like Pack, Omir, um, Matthew Cleveland, these were guys that Bradley practically begged John Calipari to go after in the portal and did not for one reason or another, but they not, still are very good basketball players. Not even practically. I literally begged uh, for Matthew Cleveland on the timeline, uh, and I have no shame about it. And uh, once again, I'm right. So, You know who Miami does not have, though, is Reed, Reed, Reed Shepard. <laughs> uh, what's I the mean, issue, we, 70% from three right now? Dude, it is insane. Like – and it's like the thing that makes it so wonderful is because Reed, it, he's still like with all the threat he is, he's, he still will never be the number one option on an offense, which means that he is getting 
relatively open looks, even though he was like sitting at six for seven from three, he still got an open look for a seventh three of the game. Like that is, that's absolutely crazy. I know we were going into zone. And if you want to look, uh, read Brandon Ramsey, like he was saying, this game means absolutely nothing because this is against a zone and can't learn anything, but it's so like, who would have thought Reed was like this? I, the, even like the biggest, like Kentucky supporter, like in house, like Kentucky supporters, the people that went crazy about Dante Allen, the people that are going to go crazy about Travis Perry, the people that went insane about Reed Shepard, they did not expect him in like game number, what is it, four to almost set the SEC record for threes in a game, which you know because Bradley said it like every single game last year, so you should know that it's nine. Uh, you didn't think he would put up 25 points. You didn't think he would be having an insane assist-to-turnover ratio. Maybe that part you expected, but you didn't expect him as of November 19 to be the best player on the Kentucky Wildcats, a team which has DJ Wagner, Justin Edwards, Antonio Reeves, Trey Mitchell, Aaron Bradshaw coming back soon, Rob Dillingham, all these guys, Reed Shepard has been the best player so far. I mean, again, Stonehill, zone, I don't care. He had 25 points on 9 of 10 shooting, 7 of 8 from 3, 7 assists, 3 rebounds, 3 steals, 2 blocks, just 1 turnover to go with 8 cheerleaders flirted with. That is an insane performance. Shout out Reed Shepard. And we, I'm going to get right into it. Let's ask the question. It really doesn't matter what happens. I don't know who we play next. Uh, St. Joe's and then Marshall. But let's just say what we've seen the first few games, the trends continue. When we play a serious game against Miami, is Reed Shepard starting as your point guard one? Because, let's look back, um, who did we play before the Kansas game? Do you remember? Uh, it was uh, Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M whatever, Commerce. Commerce. We started that game, I'm pretty sure, down 8 nothing. We start the Kansas game down 9 nothing. We started this past game against Stonehill down 5 nothing. Maybe... It is an indication of that our starter, our starting lineup isn't ideal, especially when each game we get to Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard just a little bit quicker each game. Like Cal going and looking to his bench like, all right, Reed, Rob, let's get this thing going. It's happened a little bit sooner each game. Do we get to the Miami game? Reed Shepard, you're just PG1. I think I, don't, I wouldn't say PG1 yet as far as like playing the most minutes a point guard. But I do think if you're talking about personnel – like situational lineups i think having that the current starting lineup out there is one of our worst lineups because dj is not a shooter uh he made three against stonehill uh but a lot of this because he was left wide open on every single thing they were really sagging off of him uh justin edwards has been really inconsistent from three i, ho I really hope he gets to going because he they're leaving him wide open. So really your only shooters are Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell, who's been kind of reluctant to shoot uh, as of right now, because uh, we know a do isn't really a threat from deep either. So you have only have two shooters and one of them's your post player. That's not what this team is. Not, that's not what excites me about this team. I think that if you have like, I don't think you should have DJ and Justin out there a lot at the same time without at least two or three other shooters. Do y'all think kinda... our best lineup? Sorry. Do y'all think our best lineup is uh Dilly, Reed, Reeves, um you're already shaking your head no, Brad. What's what do you think? 
Really sorry. Awesome. It was it was premeditated. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, what's our best lineup then? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I well, I mean, I'm just thinking through the through the backcourt. Uh, who else? Um, I guess Thierro right now, and then Trey. I mean, I yeah think that's what has played the best to date. I personally think that long term, I still want DJ and Dilly out there together, and then. I think Reed out there. The good, the good thing about why we think we need Reeves out there is he is just our best scorer and he's our best shooter. But if Rob Dillingham could just be our best scorer and Reed Shepard continues to shoot like this from three, I think you don't need Reeves as much considering how inconsistent he is and how he's probably the worst defender out of anyone in our backcourt. Um, I know he gives you that fifth-year experience, but if we get to a point where DJ becomes more competent i would probably have reed at the one and then or reed dj and dilly just kind of a three-point guard lineup and i again i'd probably have a do at the four and mitchell at the five like you said and if justin could pick it up you know maybe throw him in there instead of a do or maybe when aaron gets back trey at the four aaron at the five but i think long term we should be aiming at closing out games reed dillingham dj i don't i don't think that um Reed, like when the sample size increases and we kind of go through the year, I don't think Reed is going to end up being our best, our best scorer, our best option on offense. But I do think you kind of have to keep him out there as much as possible just on defense. Like, is anyone even close to a better defender than him on the team? Like, is anyone even close? I mean, I think long term Justin should be, but as of right now, no. Reed, despite being one of, he is sneaky athletic, don't get me wrong, but he's not one of the most athletic guys in our backcourt. His anticipation, his awareness, his IQ, um, j- just how how he knows when to go for steals and blocks, it's just his anticipation. Yeah, he is easily our best defender by far at this moment. He's kind of got it like a, you know, it's like that, how does Oscar get all those rebounds when he's not particularly, like, larger than anyone you know what i mean like he's got that set that sense that sixth sense it's hard to say you couldn't even um, see and he just like finds him he just knows it's just something about his game it's a it's an intellect thing he just knows how to get rebounds and i think that reed is similar in defense in a lot of ways like he's just he's just good there knows where where to have his hands when to go in when to go out was that a thing i correctly saw in oscar or is that just like a weird fever dream that like he couldn't see and needed goggles and didn't even know about it I think he could see okay, but but yes, he did need glasses. Uh, one thing I want to uh, bring back, uh, I'm searching through your uh, old tweets there, Matt. Uh, uh, scary stuff, I know. Uh, but on November 2nd, you tweeted out, the preseason is officially over. We've seen us at the Canada Blue White into exhibition games. Assuming everyone is available, who are your best five right now? Uh, and I think that's a really interesting tweet to go back to, especially now that we've seen four real games. Um, you replied, Zach, by the way, DJ, Rob, Antonio, Justin, and Trey. Um, and I think that pretty much all of us would agree that that is not who we think the best five are right now. Um, I will say if our best five is Reed, Rob, Antonio, uh, Adu, and Trey, like we've been talking about, I don't see this team as a final four team. Now, I think Reed and Rob are really good. I think Antonio's a great scorer. Like, I think that team is very good. 
but we and uh, Matt Jones said this a lot on the post game show. I know a lot of people said this. We need at least DJ or Justin to break out and to be who we thought they were, or at least a decent version of who we thought they were. Um, between those two, and and it's I know it's way more complicated than this. Between those two, who do you think gets to that version of themselves quicker? I think DJ probably gets there quicker and Justin ultimately has the higher ceiling. I'm pretty sure last episode I said I'm more worried about DJ. Um but I think I think the things that he can do it it, it switches quicker. I don't know if he'll ever be the player that we're wanting or needing him to be. I think Justin's going to ultimately have to be that guy. But I think DJ can get to competency or just being a good player, like a B plus, A minus type player, a lot quicker. For a lot of the reasons we said, we should be adding a lob threat soon. We should be getting a decision on a visage soon. Aaron Bradshaw. It looks like the rumors are sometime this week. Maybe the Marshall game is kind of what we're circling. Um, and I think maybe we look at more lineups where we put Reed or Rob on ball. We allow DJ to go off and just be able to attack more. I think all of those things are going to help DJ again turn to like the D plus player. He's been to a B plus, A minus type player. Um, but I, but I'm right with you. I think Reed, DJ, Rob, and then whatever our front court looks like at the moment, it's really hard to decide. But I, I am with you. And I was talking with my dad earlier today, and we were talking about, like, wow, how good does our team look right now? And we haven't even added a center, and DJ and Justin just aren't even there yet. And it's like, we don't even need them to be all the way there yet. Like, what if – like, we don't need – DJ Wagner to be De'Aaron Fox and we don't need Justin Edwards to be Malik Monk but what if DJ Wagner was just what like Cason Wallace was last year like imagine if we just had Reed Shepard what he's been so far and Rob Dillingham and then add Cason Wallace to that backcourt like that that's a that's a very 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 good team so you just don't have that takeover superstar but you have three very, very, very good point guards. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to think that DJ Wagner can get to a Case and Wallace level. Uh, I think that the adjustment for DJ is more obvious. I think DJ is playing the wrong position, like you said. I think put him off ball. Because, um, I mean, look at the box score from last game. He attempted nine field goals. How many of them were from three? Eight of them. Yeah. So he is, like, if you – if you ask any high school scout, any guy that watched him play um, before he got to Kentucky, he's a driving point guard who got to the rim, got fouled, all that stuff. Uh, but, I mean, against Stonehill, he took eight threes in and nine total field goals. Uh, and that's just not who he is. So I think moving him off ball, putting him in a as that secondary or third driver on a dribble drive offense opens up the floor to him, allows him to penetrate a little bit easier. His adjustments seem more obvious. Justin, on the other hand, he's playing the role that he's supposed to. He's in the position that he's projected to be in at that three slash four kind of off ball role. And even then, he's not doing the things that we think he can. He's turning the ball over um, a couple times a game. Uh, he, he does not seem like he has any strength <laughs> when he has the ball. Uh, he is missing open jump shots. He just, there's nothing he's showing that seems like, oh, this is what we need to do to fix it. It's really just up to him to get the funk. And I don't think we should bench him right now because benching him just screws him up even more. 
it's just not obvious what you're supposed to do. Yeah, uh, on t- on top of Reed, Rob just continues to shine. I mean, Reed phenomenal. Um, you you, if I told you like Rob Dillingham in 24 minutes went for 20 points on just 10 field goals, shot 70 percent, 50 percent from three, uh, had seven assists, two steals, four rebounds, and like Reed was clearly better, like a little bit better in almost every single category. Again, these two guys. Now, Rob, I will keep in that six-man role. I, I, I feel like, yeah, sure, move Reed to the starting lineup. I love Rob in that six-man role. But, yeah, a really good game for Rob. Kind of like I said for Reed. Like, even the biggest Reed believers, I don't think they would be at this level. Bradley, you are probably Rob's biggest believer heading into this season. Um, you expected him to be one of our better players and to play how he is. Did you expect him to be this good? Or is he even blowing what your expectations for him were? Um. I wouldn't say I expected him to be as consistent as he's been uh, because he's been one of our more consistent players. And that was like the one big knock on him. Like that's what I've been consistently saying the whole time was he's not a consistent player. Um, Real quick on Reed though. I had a tweet that made some people mad about Reed was I said, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to let, let me pull up the tweet. I said, I have to admit prior to the season, I questioned Reed's ability to find a role in minutes with this stack Kentucky roster. Needless to say, he has proven me and every other doubter wrong. Is there anything negative that you can glean from that? that All I said was crazy. my expectations how, were low and he's exceeded them. How dare you doubt a white kid from Kentucky, man? A guy, oh, his name is his name is literally Joe Bunch of Numbers. That's literally his name. Oh, I saw that too. Said, yeah, being a white guy, it's hard to imagine him being good, huh? Pitiful. The kid's a five star recruit, <laughs> not true, and a McDonald's All American, kind of true. It's kind of a Mickey Mouse McDonald's because so many people pulled out of it. Anyway, uh, but said, of course he's good. I said, you know, absolutely nothing to do with the color of his skin. And I had a feeling this would come back to bite me. I said, did you expect him to be the best player? Well, I didn't think he was going to be the best player, but I'm not shocked that he's one of the best. It's like even the people that had the highest expectations of Reed couldn't have seen this coming. I mean, he's he's literally our best player. And there, I don't think there's any argument to be made. I agree. I made a tweet. <laughs> that made people happy, unlike you. Uh, well, no, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I, that 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 did bang though. I did not even think that it was like that kind of tweet, and then it went it went nuclear. The uh, courtside baddies. <laughs> the NBA edit. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's the NBA edit. So I I made it because I thought that like uh, Fable, friend of the show, shout out. Uh, I thought that he would enjoy it or think it was funny, and so that's why I made it. And then it went like atomic bomb on twitter so <laughs> uh, it's funny though it's funny though yeah i don't know if it's going to end this way uh preferably it won't and maybe i'm going to get in trouble now for saying like if reed shepherd is still our best player in march we're not going to be as good as we could be um stick with me though but as of today he is our best player because he is our best passer he's our most efficient offensive player he is our literally our best shot blocker he's our best stealer he's just our best all-around defender he's our best shooter 
He's been our best playmaker, best assist to turnover ratio on the team. Um, super smart, first guy in the gym, plays the game the right way, all that <laughs> stuff too. But yeah, like across the map, it's hard to argue that four games in, anyone has been better because every single category you look at, you either are saying definitively Rob or Reed is the best player in this category, or you could at least make a strong argument with him and maybe like a Rob Dillingham or a Trey Mitchell. But yeah, I, th- I think Reed shooting like 60% from three, which granted we're four games in, but still over a four game stretch to shoot 60% from three is bonkers. He's shooting 70.6% from three. Oh, it might have been before the Stonehill game that I looked at that then. 70% it's, from three over four games. No, it's wild. Rob, right? Or what's Rob? Uh, Rob's 43.5. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. Crazy. If, oh. if you told me coming into the season that Rob would be a 40% three point shooter, we're, we're, we're winning the natty, man. We're, <laughs> it, it's nuts. Because I, I, anything over 30%, like over the course of the full season, anything over 30% from Rob, and I will be, and, and that's not that I think he's a bad shooter. He's a great shooter, uh, but we've all seen he likes the heat checks. Uh, so, I mean, every, so Reed Shepard is his effective field goal percentage, which correctly weights three pointers, is 92.3% right now which if you break it down, whenever he attempts a field goal, he's scoring just over 1.8 points per field goal attempt, which is so like, that is off the charts. Obviously he's not going to keep that rate this entire season. That would, if he keeps that rate the entire season, he will go down as the best freshman in the history of college basketball, maybe even the best player in the history of college basketball. Um, But he is playing so, so well, and it, it, the SEC is going to test him. Miami's going to test him. Miami has some insane point guard or insane guard play with really, really athletic, shifty sort of guys. Reed has shown that he can guard those guys better than I think we all thought he could, but he's going to keep getting put to the test, and he's going to have to show up and match it, uh, even especially if DJ and Justin aren't really uh, meeting their expectations. Yeah, it, in a game like this, when you beat Stonehill by 40 in a name-your-score type of game in game number four of the season, it's hard to have a lot of takeaways. Like, there's just only so much that you can take away from the game, but it's impossible just not to see what Reed and Rob have done from game to game to game and just getting better. Uh, Bradley, what do you got? I'm sorry. Why are people not still talking about Reed going seven for eight from three? Why are people not still talking about it? I, I I don't care that it was against Poop State. He went seven for eight from three. How many times would we have killed for a game like that over the past uh, five seasons? That's bonkers. Oh, did you all see? I forget. I think it was, um, oh, my gosh, uh, John Rothstein tweeted this out. So, uh so Reed Shepard went seven for eight from three, scored 25 points, and had seven assists. Since 2011, only one other college basketball player has had that stat line at least. Who is it? Winnie Gabriel. Well, no. It's no. across all college basketball. Oh. 
when you gave her. No, I'm just kidding. He's he's definitely across correct answer. all college basketball. <laughs> yes, he is. Uh, the correct answer is Jamal Baker. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's still playing college basketball. That man. Yes, he was, is. But that man came in with quad A green <laughs> and shaped. Apparently, I think Alexander. it was a, I think it was a Fresno State. Uh, I think it was last <laughs> year, maybe a year before. He had that same seven for eight from three at least, twenty five points at least, and seven uh, assists oh, at least. Now, now that you bring that up, I remember it because people were crapping their pants on Twitter. Why did Pal let this guy walk? Like uh, anytime, <laughs> anytime anybody has any moderate success, well, because he's playing at freaking Fresno State, they were playing Pepperdine, which I, I know I was just going nuts about redoing it against Stonehill, but like. Yeah, <laughs> Jamal Baker. Love him to death. I, I realize I compared Travis Perry to Jamal Baker, but... <laughs> I guarantee that Jamal Baker isn't also leading the team in steals and blocks. <laughs> so, he, And he's also leading the team in taxes paid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's the, the only one joke. to get... He's the only one to get letters in the mail for Medicare. Get a job, man. DeAndre Williams, what's going on? Get a job. <laughs> like Javon Quinterly. That dude is still in college. Why? Yeah, okay, funny. I look I looked up this Jamal Baker game just because I was curious. Um insane. So he went 13 for 14 from the field, 10 for 11 from three, seven for eight from the free throw line had seven assists five rebounds two steals and one block scored 43 points against chicago state like okay i i, I know we made fun of jamal baker but that that was genuinely insane they won the game 108 to 72 yeah and he's the first uh college basketball player to have a nil to have a nil deal with oval team oh my god i, I realize i'm saying this as an avid metamucil drinker but I'm also not playing college basketball, which, by the way, I think I'm younger than Jamal Baker. Like I'm almost certain of that. I think I tweeted out, but did you see uh, that? So DeAndre Williams, obviously he didn't get cleared for it, but he like legitimately applied for another year of college basketball. Devin Booker is younger than DeAndre Williams. <laughs> this man is like a five-time all-star. He was in the class of 2014, and he is DeAndre Williams is older than him. So imagine a guy that could have started playing college basketball in 2014, still applying to play college basketball in a season that will end in 2024. DeAndre Williams, you are unserious. But thank thank God the NCAA didn't let him in. Please let Zvonimir Visic in. Speaking of Zvonimir, maybe he comes back this week, maybe not. But maybe we add Aaron Bradshaw. That's at least all the scuttlebutt. Um on KS board at the moment. What do you guys want this to look like? We have one or two maybe games to ramp it up before the Miami game. When we get in the Miami game, I mean, how do you want to use these guys? Do you want to stick with the five out? Do you want him and Mitchell on the court at the same time? Do you just want one of them? Do you want one of these guys playing as like a lob threat rather than a true five out? Um, it's hard to mess with what you're seeing too much. Do you just want to see it all integrated together? Like, don't don't say all integrated together. That's a cop out answer. Take a stance. What do y'all want to see? I, I think not. big. Yeah, I think uh, 
Big Z, I think he's going to be maybe five, 10 minutes a game right now. I think he's going to be the third string center behind Aaron and Trey. Uh, but um, I, I just want him to see him in the dunker's position. Don't put him in position to create. Don't put him in position to like shoot a ton of threes because I don't know how that would go, especially against Miami. Aaron, I think, would be really, really good in the pick and roll and in that dunker's position uh, because he can pick and roll. He can pick and pop. He's a lob threat. He can also hit some jump shots. Uh, he's just so versatile, especially when you combine him with like uh, Rob or Reed or DJ in the, in that pick and roll action, uh, especially on the side side ball screen. Uh, I think that really sets up for some really, really interesting concepts that you can do. Uh, but I do, I do want to see Trey at the five for, like 15 minutes at least a game because that has been working really, really well. I have an idea, and stop me if it's crazy. What about having Z at the four and having Trey at the five? I'm stopping you. Oh, okay. That's crazy. Okay. Well, here's my reasoning for it. Uh, Trey is a big body. Let him go bang with some dudes down low and let Z just – have free reign. <laughs> Let Z just have free reign out on the perimeter. No, I don't think that's a crazy idea. I, I mean, I do think it's a crazy idea, but that's more so <laughs> how I feel with Aaron Bradshaw. Like when I think Cal even said like earlier in the season, before we knew how long Bradshaw was going to be out, like, yeah, we see Mitchell playing a lot at the five uh, and everyone's seeing like, oh yeah, wow, we're going to play zero centers. We're going to play a five out. Mitchell's going to be a small ball five. And then Cal kind of continues like, yeah, and we'll have Aaron at the four. And we're like, oh, there it is. Yep, there's, there's our seven footer that you snuck in there. So not only do I not think that that is crazy, I think we could expect it, but Zvonimir, I don't think as much. I think, I think we need, I think we need to take a quick little pause on Zvonimir, TBH. Um, not that I don't think he'll be good. I think he'll be fine in a role kind of what like Ugo did last year where like he might have to play five minutes every other game um, just as like another center. But I don't think like Zvonimir is going to be playing serious minutes for us. I just think he is going to be so raw. Uh, maybe he's better than I expected, but I'm not expecting like Zvonimir to come in and be like the second coming of like, Dirk Nowitzki or anything like that. I, I think we might need to slow down the hype a little bit. I think Bradshaw will be good, but I don't think Zvonimir is going to come in and be the answer to any of our problems, really. I'm really interested to see for both of those guys, but especially Z, how they handle SEC physicality. Download, I, I don't know about – I don't look at Big Z and have a lot of confidence that he's going to be that guy. But he also played overseas where that's like, you know, you got to play a little more physical. So so I'm really interested to see kind of where he pans out. And I think to the earlier question that you were talking about, do we keep running five out? or we, I think it's five out or like four and one situationally kind of based on who you're up against down low. Um, I mean, that that's what we did. That's the switch that we made in the Kansas game where we were 0 and 9 to start the game. And then we switched there. And that's what we had to do because we Hunter Dickinson was down low. Right. Uh, and when we get some of our bigger guys and personnel back, we'll be better off. Um, so that that's where I am with all that. I, I think it's pretty, you know, simple. Don't don't break what works. You know what I mean? If it ain't if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. 
Yeah, and you have to think that Bradshaw, at least on the offensive end, even if we do try to play more of a five-out, he can at least do what Jordan Burks has done so far. Jordan Burks has been the surprise of the season, I think. I, I think you could have projected everyone else, but Jordan has been really, really good uh, and within his role, I think. He has, he has been very, very good. But, like, if you tried to plug Aaron Bradshaw, like, oh, one yeah. for one into those minutes, you think he should at least be able to do that at a little bit higher of a level. Yeah, I think rebounding and shot blocking are the big things that we can immediately rely on Aaron for day one. Now, the offensive creation, which as is why I think we should maybe consider just sticking him in a dunker spot or in a pick and roll where he can just catch lobs. Um, I don't necessarily want him doing his little Kevin Durant thing, trying to cross someone up and then hit a step back uh, mid-range jumper. So, uh, or at least not on day one. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> the Literally, the thought that popped in my head is, Trey is not a lob threat. And that's all I was going to say. I had nothing else to follow up with that. I had no greater thought. I just, the first thing that popped in my head is Trey is not a lob threat. So there you go. There's that nugget of information to to have. I now know that. I was just go. sitting here thinking that Trey might have been a lob threat, might, might not be, but I was never <laughs> sure. Well, there you go. There you go. I'm glad that you know who... that was a word from the Lord for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know who could be a lob threat? This might be one of the potential solutions to the problem is Justin Edwards is if we want to get him going, get him involved in the offense, make sure he's a threat. We put him in that dunker position. We know he can jump out of the gym, uh, but like, or maybe have him in the corner and he runs baseline to catch lots, but like get him involved in some way uh, where he can use the stuff that he has. We know he has athleticism. We know he can jump uh, like crazy, get that confidence back in him. And then, bring back the jump shots, bring back the ball handling slowly. It, yeah, let's play play Justin Edwards the way that we were trying to play Damian Collins last year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that's that how we me. win. This is how we win. <laughs> but Justin, I, I don't I wouldn't necessarily say a lob threat, but something that I was like just salivating over the first few games, he would just cut to the basket so well. And maybe that's going away because people are forcing him to shoot threes now and they're not let necessarily giving him the open lanes to cut. But he was so good at finding space and just getting to the rim, even without having to necessarily beat his guy off the dribble or break his man down, anything like that. Maybe he, again, maybe it's just being taken away. I just personally think that he's trying to get other areas of his game going where he's leaving the the easy buckets there. But I think he just has to go the other way around. Take the easy ones, especially if you're in a slump. Just see the ball go through the hoop. Try to get something going, and other areas of your game might open up. Boys, do we want to get football out of the way? We, Wait, we here, here, was, here was our idea for football. I mute my mic. Buddy mutes his mic. WT mutes his mic. Bradley, you just give three minutes of just everything you want to say about um, Mark Stoops and the football team. Uh, maybe Dane Key. Any other names that you want to call out specifically? Um, and we just have to sit here and listen. And, and when you're done, we're done talking about football and we'll move on to listeners questions. Is, that, is everyone okay with that? Bradley, are I you think, up for the challenge? I think, I think the rest of us get one take. We get one. Okay. You guys get your make. takes out of the way. Cause when I get started, there ain't no slowing me down. Okay. Here, right, here's my take. First. I'll start with mine. <laughs> I think 
I think I might have said this before too. When basketball adjusted and Cal needed to start getting guys that played modern basketball, um, such as shooting more threes, he went the route of, all right, I'm going to get my Kellen Grady's, I'm going to get my CJ Fredericks, uh, my Davion Mintz's, and those guys were fine to some degree for some part of the season. But ultimately, when it came to winning and taking that next step, they weren't really able to get it done because while they did play the style of basketball that Cal is trying to push towards, they weren't Cal guys. And I think we're kind of at that point with Stoops now. He's like, okay, if I want to make this next step, we need to get a passing offense. But Devin Leary and Barry on Brown and Dinky, they're not Mark Stoops guys. Like the foundation that Mark Stoops built was like, we're going to recruit, develop. We're going to like play above like our weight class i don't care what we're rated we're going to go out there and now it's just kind of like all right here's these guys that are rated higher like number one quarterback in the portal like the two highest rated recruits that we've had in the wide receiver position ever and all of them come in and they probably had the three most disappointing seasons on our team one two and three i just feel like mark stoops needs to be able to kind of like cal now he's like okay i need to get my five-star freshman but i also need to get modern basketball players let me go get DJ, Justin, Rob, Reed, uh, Trey Mitchell, uh, Antonio Reeves, like you, the core Cal guys that he's used to having, but guys that could play modern basketball, that's what Stoops needs now to do. He needs to get his dogs, the ones that he built this program on, the Josh Allen, Lynn Bowden, Benny Snell type personalities, but now he needs to do it in guys that can succeed in a passing offense or a Liam Cohen-style offense. I think that's what he needs. I – so – just as a quick response to that, I, I think that's true. And I think that, you know, it's funny. It reminds me of a, a line in one of Jay Wright's books, I believe it was. I think the Attitude book where he talks about how he was recruiting, you know, at a certain point after they were succeeding, he started recruiting guys kind of based on talent, based on star power. Um, and then at some point realized like, Hey, these are just not like Villanova guys. I need to go back to recruiting Villanova guys. And he, he says that was a big part of like winning a, a national championship for them, uh, or two. And so I think, um, you know, it, it's funny, like Cal's guys just so happen to be like the, <laughs> like high star guys who can, but they're, they're, you know, they're dogs and he's very selective about the kind of personalities that he gets on his team. And I think Stoops might need to do uh some of that as well so that's just an anecdote um but my <laughs> my thoughts on like all of this this season i still think that it you know it, the big conversation is that uh we should fire stoops or not fire stoops or whatever you know the the discourse is kind of all circling around that right now i think it's kind of a moot point because it's not going to happen uh mitch barnhart uh has a love affair with mark stoops so i mean it just wouldn't happen uh regardless um but i also think that mark stoops has earned wiggle room uh at least another year and uh <laughs> oh my gosh i should read that one out loud on the on the chat wd um <laughs> oh my gosh but uh anyways yeah i think he's earned room to grow i just want to see improvement for next year because we've not seen improvement year after year We've we've fallen worse and worse. And then as the season goes on, and this is kind of the difference between Calipari. Uh, you know, there's everyone's drawing this comparison of like, oh, well, you know, Calipari had down years too, and y'all didn't want to fight. Well, Calipari's team's improved over the season at the very least. 
Mark Stoops teams get worse over the season or have gotten worse over the season. Like, and we're not any more disciplined. And whenever you're at a point where parents and players and everyone else is turning on you, I don't, it's easy for a player to sniff out a fraud. Um, and you know, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. So I just need to see, I need to see some growth and improvement because I don't understand. I know that Matt doesn't like talking about the pay, but I don't understand why we give top 10 pay to a guy who can't make us a top 30 football program. I, I just won't ever understand that. You are upset with this season's results and you want better and you want to be a factor at the top of the SEC East again. It is up to you, BBN, to pony up and pay for the $57 million buyout because we will never be able oh to afford that otherwise. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking, but that just kind of goes to your point. Like, yeah, it's not happening because it's literally a $57 million buyout. So unless Bradley uh, has something cooking over there. <laughs> I still get my point first. Uh, to your point about firing Stoops, I don't think that's happening. But I do think that uh, maybe replacing some coordinators or position coaches might be needed because some of these guys are not doing their job. But... Um, what I my my main point that actually doesn't have anything to do about the South Carolina game in a way. Um, before the South Carolina game, this Louisville game coming up, I saw as a must win for any potential at like getting to where we want to be as a program, which is not Georgia, is not Alabama. I just want to be like in the conversation every like every two or three years for the twelve team playoff. Like that's where I think we can get to. And I think that U of L win would be at that point was like, okay, we have hope that we can get there someday. Now U of L is a must win, not just to get to that, but to have any sense of like this program, not falling apart. Cause if we lose that U of L game and then we go to a bowl game that no one cares about how many guys are going to transfer away from this team. It's going to be insane. How many guys leave? So bad thing. if, if we were to U of L, if we were to lose to U of L, that means that within the span of maybe one or two years, Missouri would have passed us as a program. They're a top 10 team right now. U of L were to have passed us as a program. We've beat them four straight times by a ton of points. All of a sudden they bring in a coach and in one year pass us. Uh, Tennessee went from like being the worst team, in the SEC East or like the second worst team. And now they're back to being uh, in the conversation uh, for the two past two years. So they've passed us, even though we couldn't beat them, even when they were below us, you look back, like the only teams that we passed as a program during Stoops's tenure that hasn't passed us back are Florida, which is crazy. Cause we had that huge losing streak to them and Vanderbilt who we also lost to last year. So we keep getting passed by these programs that we spent four five, six years passing and it just took one or two years for them to pass us again. If we look at those programs and see, oh, hiring a coach for them allowed them to turn it around in one or two years, why do we have a coach for 13 years that is getting passed up? I'm not saying fire stoops right now. That's at this point, I think crazy talk because then you're set up for a, a, such a gamble. But Teams are having success hiring new coaches and bringing in a new energy. That's all I'll say. Yeah, Bradley, we, we, you're we've up. Talked, I'm muted. We've talked <laughs> about it mad before. We've talked about it before. It's not the fact – like everyone wanted to complain, we can't take the next step, we can't beat Georgia. 
the next step really was just continuing to win eight, nine games every single year. And instead of doing that, we took two steps forward, which is losing to the teams, which, like you said, we built five, six years to be able to beat. It took a minute to be able to beat South Carolina consistently the way we have. Now we've lost them twice in a row. A very, very, very awful South Carolina team. And then at home last year, we lost to Vandy. We've lost to Mizzou. We, I don't even, when was the last time that we won an SEC East home game? Like Florida this year, but we've lost like every other one. We, we. We were number like I think the the season before Stoops came, we were the bottom of the SEC East, and we now we are the of... second bottom of the SEC East. We we are like we're just one one step higher than we were. But here's the thing that that Joker Phillips team had generally the worst uh, roster in FBS football. This team is probably the most talented team we've ever had at Kentucky. Oh my goodness, I don't know how to like uh, people on Twitter today have had real problems understanding the difference between a bad roster and bad coaching. I've heard so much like, man, we just missed on a quarterback. Like, you, you know, what can you do? You can't blame students for this. Like we just missed, you know, we just messed up. It's like, no, no guys, you had, like our guys can't catch balls. Like, okay. How many carries did, did Ray Davis have last night in that? Like, what was it? Three point loss. Twelve. Yeah, 12, 12, and he was tweeting about it, uh, and Dad was tweeting about it. But anyways, I'm going to shut up and let Bradley go. Let Brad cook. Is it time to cook? I think it's time to cook. Oh, they're literally all muted. They're just going to let me cook. All right, this is my time to shine. All right, so if y'all follow me on Twitter, y'all know that I want Kentucky football to be good. So let me preface that with all of this. Mark Stoops, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? I mean, we we honestly, it might have been best for Austin McGinnis to miss that kick in 2016 or whatever and, and get it out of the way before we have this huge buyout. What are we doing? I could only hope that Texas A&M or Michigan State or one of these other teams that's going to have a coaching vacancy is stupid enough to 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 take him. Why would they take him? All he does is whine on Twitter and then not do anything on the field. What are we doing? And, and before you say, "Oh, you're just a football hater," I'm not a football hater. I want them to be good, but as badly as I want them to be good, we can't do it consistently. I'm not saying beat Georgia every year. I know that's not realistic, but be competitive. You know, don't go and get your butts handed to you. Hey, at least Alabama didn't beat us by 60 this time. Oh, well, almost, but it wasn't quite 60. I mean, are we really are we really still at that point of as a football program of oh, well, we uh we won 6 games and so we're going to be happy about that. I mean, I hey look, I know. Oh well, we used to be two and ten. Who cares? What other school? What other program? At what other school could get away with saying we used to be bad? So now that we don't suck as much, that's okay. If if Nate Oates, let's just say that Nate Oates went fifteen and fifteen this year at Alabama, a perfect five hundred record. 
uh, which, by the way, Stoops might or might not have after the bowl game, just by the way. It, let's just say Nate Oates had a perfect 15-15, and 15, uh, perfectly 500 season. Could he get up there and say, you know what, when Avery Johnson was our coach, we sucked, and so you should be happy with 15-15 and 15, because it used to be a lot worse. No, that wouldn't work. And by the way, Nate Oates wouldn't go 15-15 and 15 because he's a good coach. Good coaches don't go 500 at the college level. So uh, anyway, <laughs> I saw that little motion, WT. I need you to turn your camera off too. But anyway, uh, or think about Bruce Pearl. At <laughs> He did it. Think about Bruce Pearl at Auburn. Auburn used to be the worst basketball program in the SEC. They used to be horrible. But now Bruce Pearl has them at least somewhat competitive. Could he come in and say, well, you know what? We used to suck, uh, so now it's fine if we're mid. No, that would never work. That would never fly. So why does Mark Stoops, a head coach for an SEC football program, get to say, you know what? We used to suck, and we still kind of suck, but maybe not as bad. Why does he get to say that? Look, and, and, and I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of people saying that Stoops is the best football coach that we've ever had. No, he's not. Bear Bryant was, at one time, our football coach. Now, if you want to say, since Bear Bryant, he's our best coach, sure, fine. But who's the other choice? Is it Joker Phillips? I mean, is it a washed Rich Brooks? I mean, Rich Brooks is one of the best Twitter follows out there. But it's time to admit, he was washed whenever he came to Kentucky. I mean, he was, he was not all that. Who's... Who's the comp- who's the competitor? I mean, what else is it? That's like saying Nate Oates is the best coach Alabama basketball has ever had. Who's the competition? I mean, sure they might have not sucked as bad, but whatever. I mean, and and and, and let me let me I, I should have wrote all this down because I had so many good points. How how could Stoops be so irresponsible to say, uh, well, uh, they can just buy better players? I want you to imagine, and I'm not trying to make this a basketball versus football thing, but let me do it for just a second, okay? Let me cook. What if after the loss to Kansas, John Calipari had gotten the post-game press conference and said, you know what, if you guys had ponied up a little bit more, we could have brought in Hunter Dickinson and Dewan Harris, who has never made a three-pointer in his career, and he's all of a sudden going to go 15 for 15 on us, make Reed Shepard look like he's Dante Allen out there. What uh, uh, what what would have happened? People would have been storming his house and running him out of Lexington. So how could Stoops get away with that? And how could he think that players, that the players are going to be fine with that? How do you think they feel listening to their coach saying, oh, well, I mean, they just got better players than we do. We just, our guys just aren't good enough to compete. What coach says that? Uh, let let me let me paint the picture for you a little bit. I'm a little league basketball coach. I realize second grade basketball is a little bit different than SEC football. But going into our playoff game on Saturday, we were without our very best player. I mean, this kid carried our team. And by the way, I won two games. I was like two and five this year as a coach. I'm a bad coach. Okay, I'm, I'm not willing. I, I'm not afraid to say that I'm a bad coach. Uh, but we were without our best player. 
how do you think my kids would have felt if I said, you know what? The rest of y'all suck too much. This other team's too good, which they don't suck. They're great, and I love them so much, and they they were awesome players. But how do you think they would feel if I was like, man, y'all are screwed because uh, this other team's just too good? No, that would, hurt. that would not be great. You know what? I realize there's a difference between seven and eight-year-olds and 18 to, like, 47-year-olds or however old Ray Davis is. But, I mean – how irresponsible do you have to be as a coach? So Bradley, follow up to all of that. Um, <laughs> at Kentucky underscore spider, he says, this is a question for Bradley. Would you rather fight seven, three foot Aaron Bradshaw's or two, <laughs> seven foot Hunter Dickinson's? Uh, give me the Dickinson's. I don't really, care. I could, I could take on that dork. All I, all <laughs> I'd have to do is not, all I'd have to do is kind of lock his leg a little bit, and he'd fall over on the floor. Both of that, him? That clip was – yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look at him, and he'd go, he's the most he's the most Duke player not to play at Duke. Like, it's him, it's Marshall Henderson, and uh, whatever that dude was from Arkansas, uh, Dusty Hannes, him. Those are the most Duke, not Duke guys ever. What a douche. I'd like to make one more comment about football. I mean, you all can chime in if you want Ooh. to, and then we, get to the, then we get to listeners' questions. Ooh. I'm going to make an analogy, and I know this analogy is already imperfect because I'm going to compare Kentucky football with Stoops to Missouri basketball. Now, Missouri's timeline is on is a lot sped up compared to Kentucky football and the way it happened, but Missouri basketball sucked for a long time. They're not good. They had one good year in like 2000, like what, 12 or 13. And then they lost in the first round to a 15 seed. So um, Missouri is not good at basketball historically. They bring in coach Dennis Gates. And last season, you would have thought they won like the NBA finals with the way that their fans responded because they saw hope. They saw success. They saw a coach who's competent, who brought in a decent roster with good players. Now, I'd also like to point out that their version of that success is still a five seed in the SEC tournament. So, like, yes, that level of success is way better than they have been doing, but it's still, like, not elite. Now, this season, look at their games. They came in with all the hype in the world. They were a little arrogant. Their fans were getting real cocky online. Uh, shout out their entire fan base on anything Jaden Quaidance. Um, This season, they've lost to Memphis at home by 15 and they just tonight lost to Jackson State at home. Crazy game. Crazy. So do you think that Missouri's fan base accepts that? Do you think that they go, it's like, oh, you know, Dennis Gates, he brought this team to heights they haven't seen in years. Like, this is this is what we want. No, they're going to say like, hey, Dennis Gates, get your game up or leave. Like, you, one fluke season does not – excuse all this now i know that is a two season comparison to like a 13 season comparison but stoops brought this program up to heights it hadn't seen in decades that height is still not elite we won two citrus bowls didn't even go to new york six bowl i'm not going to complain about those seasons because they're better than i've ever seen in my lifetime but that's that was our peak and we came into these last few seasons with like a lot of cockiness as a fan base and as a 
roster. Those those guys are arrogant. And we put up two absolute stinkers of seasons. And we have to decide as a fan base, do we want to accept that? No. Remember that scene in Billy Madison where like he compares like politics or something to the book like the dog who lost his way and then the host of the show was like that was like the dumbest most incoherent response to a question i've ever heard everyone is now dumber for having listened to it that's kind of how i started to feel when you compared mark stoops football team to your second grade basketball team bradley and then wt went and (laughs) compared us to mizzou basketball and i don't even know what to think anymore so we're just going to go on to next listener question from friend of the show ray davis fantasy football he says we've had three different leading scores in the first four games they've been rob dillingham antonio reeves and reed shepherd how many different players will be a leading scorer by year end I think eventually Justin and DJ add that list to get us to five. Do you all see any more? Maybe Trey Mitchell as well? I could see Bradshaw just having a nuts game against, like, Georgia or something like that. Like, a team with no height. I could just see him going bonkers. The only other guy that I think could have the minutes to do it would be Adu. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Adu could have, like, that um, – how is his name? Uh, Jacob Toppin game against LSU his sophomore year where like no other option is playing well. And he just uses his athleticism to score some really, really tough buckets. I can see a do leading us in scoring if no one breaks 20, but I don't see a do really getting to 25 points in a game. I don't see a do ever leading us in scoring on this team. I say it would take a special situation, but yeah, we'd lose. I wouldn't say like, I would, I wouldn't bet on it. You know what? But against St. Joe's, what if he just went out the very next game and did? <laughs> uh, I'd have to eat that. I'd have to eat those words. Hey, speaking of St. Joe's, Brad, uh, I just bought tickets directly behind you. Nice, <laughs> nice. So you get to hear me screaming in the back of your head for the whole game. Shout so. out section two twenty seven. Something tells me on a Monday night you'd be able to move up a couple rows if you needed to, buddy. Yeah, I'll be in front of you before the night's over. <laughs> buddy, I better, buddy, I better hear you on those free throws. Oh, well, everybody's screaming. It doesn't work at Rob. Everybody's screaming. Wait, do they, still do, the, do they still do the chicken sandwich thing, or did mm-hmm. Ashley Judd get her way? No, they still do it. They still do it. Oh, yeah, Sack didn't know about that. I, I imparted some knowledge on him, one of the football games that we went to. He, I said something about Ashley Judd and free throws, and he was like, what? Yeah, she got mad that we booed the other teams or, like, cheered for them to miss free throws. Do you guys remember that? I looked it up. No. It was a real thing. Yeah, it was, it was true. Rough to no good out of context, Ashley Judd. A uh, friend of the show, Eli Cox, he says... Making is... out with Dick Vitale. <laughs> <laughs> Eli Cox asks, is Reed Shepard our best player? I think he meant, is Reed Shepard our best player? Like the time, uh, like sixty minutes. Hour? Hey, don't don't give him too much he's, credit. He's like eleven years old, so like he said, is Reed Shepard A R E R best player? And it should be our like our O U R. Yes. And someone gave Eli Cox a beer at the Vandy game. Someone let that child drink alcohol, hey, hey, and I'm hey. disappointed in whoever it was. Hey, you're gonna get him in trouble. <laughs> 
Who his gave an mom listens beer? to the podcast. Oh, man. Who gave an 11-year-old beer? But anyways, is Reed Shepard our best player? I think we already answered this. As of right now, yes. He's been uh, our best player in many different categories. <laughs> Shooting, passing, efficiency, defense by far. So, yeah. I challenge DJ or Justin to please be better because then we're really cooking. <laughs> at Lord Randall 10, he says, at this point, how many years do you see Robin Reed playing at UK? Rob is going to be one. He's always been one. Reed, I still think you have a shot for two just because we're four games in and I, he, he can come back. But if he keeps playing like this, they're both going to be OAD, one and done. Um, Definitely two years combined, one for each of them. Speaking <laughs> of banger tweets that made people <laughs> speaking of banger tweets that made people mad. Uh, I said something about speaking of that, Bradley. (laughs) We talked about it like an hour ago, Sack. Keep up. I still had another answer to the question. You're changing the subject. No, no, it's the same subject. It's the same subject. All right, go Uh, So I put out a tweet that said, the more that we watch, the less I'm convinced we see sophomore Rob and sophomore Reed. And the replies were very comforting to me because John, bunch of numbers said that uh, not not the same guy from earlier, different guy, said that uh, Reed truly values a four-year education and he'll actually be getting his doctorate from UK. <laughs> uh, so he'll he'll actually play for eight years. He'll be like the third player in NCAA history to have eight years of eligibility he right after Jamal Baker and uh, DeAndre Williams. He might be back. I think that Rob is gone. He has the NBA tools. Reed, I think if he's not a lottery pick, which I know that's already getting way ahead of myself, if he's not a lottery pick, it makes honestly more financial sense for him to come back to Kentucky. That man is going to be so rich. Like I know he like his dad already played in the NBA, so like he's not hurting for money, but um the amount of NIL money that a white kid from London, Kentucky is gonna make playing at the University of Kentucky is insane. And I don't know if he's going to want to risk getting like a two way contract in the NBA and like having to work his way up and not really getting guaranteed money. You really, you, it's a gamble to declare for the draft and stay in the draft. Um, so I think if he's not a lottery pick, he's coming back and making a butt ton as a sophomore with Travis Perry, like him and Travis Perry are going to be in every single radio commercial for the entire year next year. Oh man, what is it about them? They're from Kentucky. That that's the only thing. What's what's oh. uh, what's the next listener's question? <laughs> At Connor Robit, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Robit. He asked, "Where should Kentucky be ranked when the new rankings come out? Do we move up? We blew out Stone. Should I know we lost will... to Kansas, uh, but I feel like the just the way we played Kansas." People should recognize that we are higher than the 17 that we are currently ranked. Yeah, I think well, it's voting. It's voting base. I don't know if people watch the games, though. I think that even after a loss to Kansas, like, you know, you can't go up, but like you should go up. But since we have another team that we beat in there by a pretty good margin, uh, I think that we we have to go up anyways, um, despite the loss. I think we jump a few points, probably in like the like 13 to 14 that's what that would be my guess is like 14 um i don't i don't think we'll jump four spots with the loss but i'm with you i think we're we're at number 17 right we're i think 15 or 16 is where we'll end up 
Mm. I think that we draw, I'm going to predict we go up to like 11th or 12th. And uh, I see that because like, I think the national media absolutely watched us play Kansas because one is the champions classic. It's the first big event of the college basketball season. And number two, the national media has been talking about Kentucky ever since. I mean, our friends at field of 69 did like a whole positive thing about Kentucky, multiple positive segments about Kentucky, which I'm not going to give them credit for. You can't just switch up and have me praise you that much. Um, we had uh, CBS put out like, hey, the biggest winners of the Champions Classic, even though they lost, was Kentucky. We had uh, like ESPN had some guys saying like, hey, Kentucky is legit. Like they're really good. So like the national media is in on Kentucky. I I think that we jump up big in the rankings, even though we lost in the Arkansas loss to, to uh whoever uh unc whatever oh uh, really helps us out too you know what? that's the other bro. thing a lot of ranked teams like lost yeah. or did poorly i don't think any of that i think arkansas is the only one that lost that we could theoretically pass but uh oh, okay yeah but we i think we jump up big because they saw oh can't like they were up on kansas and should have won the game i think they're pretty good you know Not what else the national worried. media go ahead sorry yeah i was gonna say not even worrying about where we are ranked where do you guys have us? Still the uncertainty around the bigs. Still haven't seen a great performance from DJ and Justin yet. The last listener question, host question from one Matt Sack BBN. Where do you personally rank us right now? I think I'd have us around seven or eight. Um, like your Kansas, your Marquette, your your teams that are returning a lot. Arizona has proven they're legit. But after that, I have us in that like six to eight range personally. Uh I've watched a ton of college basketball this year uh like probably close to 60 games already um i'm feeling good about where we are but i wouldn't i wouldn't be bold enough to put us in the top 10 yet i need to see more um and i need to see what our bigs look like i just have to see what our bigs look like before i can before i can do that confidently but i like what wt said around the 11 12 range if they put us there, that's about right in the money of where I, I think I would put us as well. And But I will say, the SEC is down. I think we are number two in the SEC right now. I think I think we're number two in the SEC. Oh, I think who? Tennessee, us. No. Uh, Auburn? Tennessee? Um, Texas A&M is theoretically up there. I think they're frauds, but. Exactly. Well, okay. Yes. Yeah, sorry. They're fraudulent, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I, you know, down or not or whatever is like the perception. I think that I don't think these teams are, are real. I don't think these teams are as good. I don't think Alabama is nearly as good as Alabama fans think they're going to be. Um, but, you know, y'all can riff on that. But I think we're number two in the SEC. I think we're just outside the top 10, uh, you know, nationally. Here's my thing. Call me a homer if you want. I probably am. Call me a sunshine pumper if you want. I definitely am. But I think we're a top five team in the country. I mean, just watching that Kansas game, Kansas is not more talented than we are. It took a historically bad shooting night from three of our players. Literally almost half of our team had a historically bad shooting night. And we still almost won that game. And by the way, with a generational family feeding performance from Dewan Harris and a 20 and 20 game from Hunter Dickinson, it took that to barely beat Kentucky. 
I don't believe that Kansas is better than we are. We're a top five team, in my opinion. Maybe. The other side of that is like we had a historical shooting performance out of like, you know, Robert Dillingham to even kind of put us in the game there and we couldn't close. But I mean, yeah, fair enough. I can see it. I can see it. I'm not going to argue with you. I, I that, think Tennessee is where I'm going to argue with you. That's I don't know. That said, in the actual rankings, I think anywhere from 13 to 19. What are you arguing about Tennessee? Us. You think we're better than Tennessee? Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Really? I think Tennessee's uh, I think, right now a better team. Yeah. Have y'all watched Tennessee this year? Them. Have y'all watched Tennessee this year? Yeah, I mean Dalton Neck looks good. I'm not gonna lie, but I, we're by the time we play them, it's gonna be the turn of the calendar, which means they're gonna suck. Well, well, that's I guess true. that's true, but uh, I guess that's true. I have this team, this Kentucky team, ranked around with the current roster around probably eight or nine, um, without any bigs, and with DJ and Justin playing as they are, I think we're really, really good. You give me one of DJ and Justin back to who they're supposed to be, and you give me just one big back, all bets are loose. Like I, I have this as a top three team, top two team, maybe top one team. Like this roster is insane, and we've seen guys show up that we didn't think would show up like this. Give me DJ and Justin back. Yeah, I'm right with you. Hopefully, we see DJ and Justin start playing better. Hopefully, we see one or bofa. Um, Aaron Bradshaw is Von Visage. Come back by next time we record. Hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving. We're probably not going to record again up until probably the day before the day's upcoming to hashtag Rowdy Rupp in Miami. So on Twitter, do your best. Please, please support the squad. Please support hashtag Rowdy Rupp. So by the time we next, next time we talk, we could be talking about an insane Miami atmosphere. Let's go. And those hashtags, these little hashtag movements. They only work if you guys chime in, if everybody plays their part and boosts these things. It's a it's a team effort, fellas. So and ladies. Go cats. Hashtag Rowdy Rob.